0: Not only have Luton Town become the first club to make the journey all the way from the National League to the Premier League, they're holding their own in the top division. Despite a damaging defeat at home to rock-bottom Sheffield United recently, the mood in the Hatters' camp is still good. So can they knock an improving Manchester United off course? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. My top-tipping team very much on course, ready to give you the best insight ahead of Sunday's action, starting with Mark O'Hare. Mark, I know you've been hugely impressed with what Luton have done this season. We've talked about it a lot. When I look at Manchester United, their results have improved recently. i not entirely sure the performances have.
1: I agree. I really do agree, actually. Um, I think Luton can put them under plenty of pressure. There's lots of talk about Man United being back. Uh, five wins in the last six across all comps. Three straight league wins as well. So you can kind of understand it, but no one's really kind of scratching beneath the surface to seeing you know, how impressive were those victories. And um, I'm not sure that most of them were that impressive. Um, they were second best for large periods against Aston Villa last week. Uh, nearly coughed it up against Wolves in the last minute. They conceded 17 shots away at Newport in the FA Cup with a pretty much a first... Well, the best 11 out. Um, And then the West Ham game, which they won 3-0, really was not a 3-0 game at all. West Ham had plenty of opportunities, but um, you can see the confidence is coming back in the team, especially in, in forward areas. That front three, they're scoring freely, they're creating. I think having Casemiro back fit in midfield has helped as well. It's given Bruno that license to to play a bit more further forward. And, you know, at the start of the season, Casemiro didn't look the same Casemiro we've, we've seen over the last decade. I'm not saying he has since but uh he's definitely much improved in that regard. So yeah, I was kind of staggered to learn that the, the win against Villa was United's first victory over a side in the top six since October 2021, um which is incredible oh really. Uh, yeah. But um what they have tended to do very well under Eric Ten Hag is is beat the Lesser Lights. So he's won all of his nine games against promoted clubs. They've got nine wins from 12 against the bottom half this term. Uh, Last season, they won 15 of 20 against the bottom half. So 24 wins from 32 against bottom half teams under Ten Hag. That's very, very strong. So they do command uh, respect, um, as they have already got in the market, being odds-on to win here. But I I don't want to back that price at all. Um, I think um, this is the kind of game which fascinates me because I think any potential score or any outcome could be on the table here. And I I love that kind of element of unpredictability, but um, I do expect both teams to score. I think both sides can contribute here. Um, Luton have actually held the, the second longest Scoring streak in the Premier League right now, um, Spurs are you know, far and away the best with 36 current games having scored in uh, back-to-back matches. Uh, for Luton, it's 11 games now. They've also scored 19 of 23 since promotion, failed to score just once at Kenilworth Road. Um, it's been quite well documented how well or how improved their attacking metrics have been in the last third of the season. Um, they've all taken a big hike, shots on target efforts, expected goals. Um They really are improving in the final third. They've scored twice or more in four of the last six, and they've put some big guns under real pressure. You know, it's not, you know, since the start of November, they've beaten Palace, Newcastle, and Brighton at home, and they've pushed Chelsea, Arsenal, and City pretty close too. So, um, they'll fancy this, I'm sure they will. Um, They've got a, a very decent record if you exclude the promoted clubs and, and Forest. <laughs> this season for some reason when, um, when they're kind of expected to perform, they, they tend, to, tend to struggle. So I think they'll come out fighting here. I think they'll put United under plenty of pressure. I can see them scoring uh, and I think United will, will absolutely oblige too because their last, what is it, since Christmas, their their league matches are averaging 4.17 goals. They've scored at least twice in five of those and managed just the one clean sheet in six. So I'm going to back both teams to score and I'll include both teams to be booked as well, which gives you a 185 shot. Um, each side have been booked in 83% of their Premier League matches. And the referee here is David Coote, who is averaging 5.23 cards across 13 league assignments this season, which is um, very healthy.
0: Trader tipster and long-suffering Manchester United fan Emmett O'Keefe returns. And lots of good stuff. Rasmus Hoyland scoring goals. He's scored in a long streak of games now. Kobe Mainu looks one of the more exciting teenagers I've seen in the last few years. I think he's absolutely sensational. Now we shouldn't hype up youngsters, yada, 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 but he's really good. They've had players come back from injury, although obviously the Los Martinez, but the whole thing is not quite there yet, is it?
2: No. They're one of the most bizarre football teams I've ever seen. <laughs> I think it's like the it's it's they're like if i didn't if i didn't support them i would love them because they there as mark alluded to there like every outcome's on the table this weekend if united won 4-1 <laughs> lose 4-1 four all draw nothing nothing would surprise you and just the style of play for those who aren't regular united watchers they, they kind of uh, they are quite an unusual side it's be a little bit like bournemouth in that sense is that when they when, when you to win a turnover they're they're constantly looking for kind of a direct through ball or kind of a quick counter attack but United don't really have the passers to pull it off. So what generally happens United try a long, try a long through ball, give it away, and the other team comes back at them. <laughs> and it leads to these kind of helter-skelter yeah. basketball-style matches. The teams that can kind of pull off that style more are teams that have kind of a better press, basically. So Liverpool would do that as well. Liverpool have a very – play very direct, and play a lot of long balls. But when Liverpool – when those that long ball, A – when Liverpool play the long ball, it's a better chance of working out because it's Van Dyke or Alexander Arnold playing the ball all the time. And in, when they give the ball away, Liverpool do their press is so good that they can kind of pin, pin the opposition. United do that stuff, play that kind of longer style of ball, but don't have any don't have the press really to stop the opposition coming back at them. So that's why I've mentioned this earlier in this season. Only Sheffield United, West Ham, and Luton have conceded more shots in the Premier League than Man United. Burnley have conceded less shots than Man United, so that 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 kind of gives you like United's United in, by like XG process or like they're wor- they're as bad as they were if not worse as under under Ralph Rangnick the kind of the the like the, the, which was supposed to be the kind of United Nadir the difference is though as you alluded to is that there is hope for the future and with the whatever the next the next major May know it is that they do have a few young gems to work with and in that kind of despite that chaotic style of play in recent weeks, the, dip, the pretty the difference between now and say earlier in the season is the attacking output is just that bit better. They've had two of their best kind of uh, attacking performances by expected goals in their last three matches, away at Villa and away at Wolves. Obviously, Rasmus Hoyland scored 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 in his last five matches. Alejandro Garnaccio looks like he's coming to be at least a kind of a, a kind of a good Premier League wide player and definitely a player with kind of a lot of a lot of tools to work with. So I think it's it's. Um, I couldn't recommend it better. I'm gonna be, I'm I'm not looking forward to watching it with my head in my hands, but I think it, it, yes. it should be it should be uh, for the neutral, it should be a really entertaining
0: game. I think it's gonna be quite stressful for poor old Emmett, if I'm honest. Uh, tipster odds compiler, master of the sustainable edge. Mark Stinchcombe completes the lineup. Stinch, what for you is the angle here? Because uh, as the guys have said, United are just so unpredictable. It's very you see some teams and you go, ah. I see the structure. I know what they're trying to do. United, it's just free-form jazz all the way through, isn't it, really?
3: Yeah, I I put... Um, they're like Forrest Gump and his chocolates. You never know what you're going to get with them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's 13 wins and nine losses in the league with, with two draws in between. It's either everything goes well and they win, or not necessarily everything goes well. Either they win or they lose, essentially. And But the underlying uh, performance is not really reflected in the results. I mean, they're sixth in the table, but based on expected points, they're the, the biggest overachievers in the league and should be 12th. Um,
0: wow. I mean, that is huge, isn't it, really? Yep. I'll just, I'll uh, tell you everything you need to know. Sorry, just
3: to make one small point to that. I do think it,
2: it kind of does bring into, into kind of Question: How the criticism of Onana this year? I think his high-profile mistakes make him look worse than he is, and some of his distribution. I think his shot stopping has actually contributed to not overperforming their statistics a bit. I yeah. think he's yeah. he's probably I think he's like he's better than people think he is, put it that way.
3: Yeah, no, I would I would agree and I don't think the sample is is big enough and and also the whole learning your um relationship with a new defence as well, I think plays a part and maybe isn't discussed um very much. Um I mean who saw Luton shock three one defeat at home to Sheffield United come in? Uh, whisper it. I think we said Luton were a bit short last, last weekend. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, that good. is That is the only game this season they've lost by more than a a single goal at home. I mean, they gave City, Arsenal and Spurs a great run for their money, didn't they? I mean, they were leading against City and Arsenal. Uh, Liverpool Liverpool as well. Yeah, Yeah, Liverpool held to a draw. And then they obviously beat Newcastle and thumped Brighton. So, um, yeah, I want to get Luton on side here. Luton plus three quarters, I think, is the way to go. Half stakes back if then you lose by one. I know what I'm going to get with Luton. Lots of fight, togetherness and atmosphere at 5, uh, 4.30 under the lights on Sunday evening. I think it is what's driving them on at uh, Kenilworth Road.
0: Now, we know injury time goals could be a pain in the pocket if they ruin your bets and they've got 90-minute payout to rescue you. If the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right result as it stands, your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus. Be gamble aware.org. Sheffield United take on Brighton. Stinch, you mentioned that, you know, thought that Sheffield United might be able to get something at Luton last time out. Could they cause a problem for Brighton as well?
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, under Chris Wilder, uh, he's been in charge now for ten games, uh, and they've generated thirteen and a half expected goals. Now, you look at um, the fourteen games before Wilder; they only generated ten point five. So, on a per-game basis, they're nearly creating twice as many chances. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see them them hurt Brighton side. We we know can be vulnerable because of their style of play. Um, So rinse and repeat, really, going to back over 2.5 and, and both teams will score at 4-5. to five. Um, It's only four games a season where both teams have not failed to score in Brighton matches, 20 of 24, which is an un- unbelievable success rate. Um, 67% of their games have gone over 2.5 goals and seeing as both are shorter than 4-7 to seven makes... Perfect sense for me to, to combine them together to, to get four to five. Um, Sheffield United still conceding a lot of chances at the back as well. So it's not as if they've turned into a, a bottom half mid-table team. You know, they still are a relegation contender, um, but they just pack a bit more punch and attack. And obviously, Brighton went there last month in it, and it finished 5-2. Uh, we'd be happy with with 2-1 either way.
0: Let's take it to Merseyside. Everton against Palace. Emmett, at time of recording, lots of talk that Palace are going to ditch Roy Hodgson and replace him with the former Frankfurt and Wolfsburg boss, Oliver Glasner. I think if they did do that and at time of recording, we don't know that they are going to do that, but that's the way it's tending. I think that's quite an interesting appointment because Glasner's a guy that got results at Wolfsburg, got them into the Champions League, fell out with the sports CEO, Jörg Schmanker, and moved on. Went to Frankfurt, won the Europa League, got them to a cup final, fell out with the sporting director, Marcus Krusche, and moved on considering that palace are perhaps not the most expansive when it comes to the transfer market you do wonder what assurances they might have given glasner going forward yeah
2: i was going to ask you as well like how 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 much of a different style change would he be from hodgson just i, I do i think there is just inherent risk sometimes going from switching style midstream we think we saw that with them. Um, with last season with Leeds, when they got rid of Jesse March and Javi Gracia and the, he, the the players were kind of there for kind of a high pressing style and Gracia tried to change that and it was a total yeah. disaster.
0: So what, what, what do you think of that? I, I think they'd be physical because yeah. Glasner teams generally are. they They're generally quite happy to kick people all over the shop. I think Palace have got players who can do that. Sure, I I think the press is not wild, it's kind of quite measured, but it's a good press, instead of just absolutely swarming all the time, it's quite measured, so I think he could get that across to the players, but I do think he's a pragmatist as well, if you look, when he was at Wolfsburg, he knew he didn't have loads of great attacking players, what he did was he made a very, very good defensive unit, I think. I think it was Maxence Lacroix, maybe, and John Brooks, who are a brilliant centre-back partnership for him uh, when they finished top four. And he got the best out of them. And then they just had Veghor scoring goals at the other end. So, you know, I think he's shown with different types of players, different sets of players, he can get really good results. So uh, I don't think Palace would go down, put it that way, and then he'd have the chance in the following season to actually bed things down, maybe get a couple of players in that suit the style. And then you go from there, really. But it, if it does happen, and as I say, we don't know it's going to happen at time of recording. But if it does, I, I think it is a fascinating um, way to go, to be honest. But they don't have him at the moment. They do have Hodgson, and this trip to Everton feels really, really super important.
2: Yeah, I just think it's. I keep this short and sweet. I think with, without, as and Lee say their championship, the Palisar championship attack. I, I, I don't think this is... I I, I think if, like, their... And, and, and as well, without those two players, you kind of want to rely maybe a more defensive solidity and they're missing Mark Way. who's like, one of their best players and a kind of an England squad contender. So it's like... Like, they're... This this version of Palace won't be good enough to stay up. I don't think, and their their season, um, whoever's managed them will. And to be honest, to, to refer to Roy Hodgson. I think if Eze and Elise had stayed fit, I don't think I don't think he'd be getting the sack. I think I think they're like they're two exceptional. I think close to top six primary quality level players, and when you play in the restrictive hodgson style you need those players you need those kind of transition players who can, yeah. who can create that magic so i i do think i think that's that's the real key for palace and but 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 going to Everson, i think we've spoken on on kind of pre on previous podcasts, like even if Palace were had, were fully fit, I think Everton's underlying data is so much better. Everton's underlying data is that of a kind of an upper mid table side, whereas Palace are kind of a clear relegation contender with the players they're missing. I think they're one of the worst te- they're one of the worst teams in the league, and I, I can I can see Palace sorry Everton shortening from their current price of around one point eight.
0: There's an argument to say that Elise and SA are the, the biggest MVPs in yeah. the whole league really, aren't they? Because the, the level drops so much when well, they're not the, in there. It's back
2: to the old Wilfred Zaha Palace. Like, yeah, it's, it's, sure. it's, it's like, yeah, in that sense that like he was the player that used to make the difference, the biggest difference to any team's price in the Premier League because the gap between him, him and the replacements were so big. And yeah, we're back to the same situation again.
0: Yeah, and that's what happens when you haven't quite got a style nailed down that if you do lose players, you can kind of plug in different ones but maybe they'll work it out in the fullness of time let's take it to League 1 rest have been the surprise of the season really I think it's fair to say in the French top flight they're up against Marseille Mark once upon a time you would have looked at this and thought oh well Marseille I'll walk this surely not these days
1: absolutely not no um you've yeah, got to try and avoid some pretty lame puns during this game with with Brest on show, but they're they're going great guns at the <laughs> minute. um They look really really undervalued, I think, for this match with Marseille. You're absolutely right. This is a huge banana skin for Marseille. Brest around two point eight to win the match, uh which I just think is is really disrespectful. We can get them at one ninety five off uh, a zero ball handicap, which is the same as as draw no bet. Really, that really really appeals. Um, As you say, the surprise of the season, many of Brest's supporters um, would have expected them to be involved in a relegation battle this season. Uh, Obviously, last year, the French top flight reduced to 18 teams and teams like Brest who've been hovering around the bottom half for you know the last five, six seasons, quite often in relegation scraps, you know, they were bound to be involved in another one this time around because they're restricted by kind of a lack of resources. But they also had a high turnover of players, which included losing their sort of star man, uh, Franck Honorat, who moved to, to Gladbach yeah. um, after three campaigns. Uh, already was in the top 10 players in Ligue 1 the key passes crosses and passes into the penalty box in each of the last three seasons uh, as well as contributing 38 goals so losing him was enormous they lost some experience in defense as well but um what eric Wast managed to do there is is quite remarkable really he's been shopping in the bargain bin uh for for ba- for, for anything basically as well as a, a number of loan signings and he's pulled together a team who are really quite functional but incredibly effective and um They're punching well beyond their wildest dreams, really. They're they're fourth in the table. They're only two points off Nice in second. And they've only lost four league games all season, which includes one defeat in 10 at home, which came by a one-goal margin to PSG, understandably. So in 21 league games, they've conceded just 18 goals. They've kept nine clean sheets in 21, including six from nine when you exclude the game against PSG. So... They've got a Dutch goalkeeper, uh, Marco Bizot, who's been playing really, really well. Gives them a really solid base to work from. Some very reliable centre-backs and kind of a pragmatic midfield, which provides that foundation. Uh, so you can understand why they're very difficult to beat. They're unbeaten since November's international break. And that includes holding PSG away at the Parc de prance holding Nice at home. Uh, and if you look at the underlying metrics, I've got them ranked fourth best uh, at home. So, you know, they're very much there on merit at the minute. And, um, Marseille whilst their underlying metrics might look strong or okay they're actually second best on xg when playing away surprisingly but uh, yeah compare the two Brest are averaging one expected goal more than their opposition on average at home Marseille boasts a, a plus 0.21 xg supremacy per game away from home so there's still a decent difference between the two teams and you know if you look at the raw results and, and you know lay of the land right now Marseille are down in 8th they failed to win in 5 they failed to win 9 of 10 away days, and that includes five defeats from seven winless games against teams outside of the bottom four. They've only scored 11 goals away from home, and they're also yet to keep a clean sheet on their travels. Not just that, they're playing Shakhtar Donetsk in uh, Hamburg in the Europa League on yeah. Thursday night too, so they're going to be hat- fatigued from that. Uh, Gattuso is on borrowed time there at the minute, and uh, you know the quick turnaround isn't ideal when you're playing a, a well-rested and very well-organised breast side, so happy to be with the home side. Wouldn't put anyone off the 2.8, but I'll take the Asian handicap approach at one ninety
0: five, startlingly impressive breast on show this weekend. Let's take it elsewhere in Liga. It's the multi club derby. It's Strasbourg against Lorient. Emmet, how's this one going to go?
2: Yeah, just uh, purely on the numbers here. Looking at looking at over two and a half goals, sixty seven. Lorient be one of the most most entertaining teams in France. Sixty seven percent of their matches have gone over two point five. Whereas, like, at Strasbourg, kind of more kind of league average around 52 percent. Been recent form, both these sides have been involved in very high scoring matches. Four of Strasbourg's last five matches in all competitions have gone over two and a half. Seven of Lorient Lorient's last eight matches in all competitions have gone over two and a half. And given all of that, we're getting around evens at over two and a half goals. This value
0: to me. If you didn't know, by the way, Strasbourg in the same little ownership group as Chelsea, uh, Lorient. Uh, In the same group as Bournemouth, they have the same owners. Uh, Resist multi-club ownership at all costs, that's what I would say. But there we go. That's for another pod. Uh, Let's take it to Germany, shall we, Mark? Nuremberg against Kaiserslautern. I did read, and apologies for throwing this at you, I did read Kaiserslautern have made a coaching change, I think. I think Robotsis maybe is out for Kaiserslautern.
1: I didn't see that. Live but it wouldn't news be a huge, right here. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be a huge shock. I think they've lost 10 of the last 12. Um, they've been a really confusing team to follow. I've actually seen quite a few of their games this season because they're uh, they are the great entertainers, I think, of German football in the top two tiers. Um, they occupy the the relegation promotion playoff spot in the Zavai Bundesliga. So they're basically just above automatic relegation on goal difference, yet they've still managed to reach the DFB. Pokal semi-finals which is incredible really however you know caveat alert um, they've won just one they've only had to face one Bundesliga side en route to the semi-finals and that was Klein, who have been Pretty dreadful this season. So, anyhow, they've been great fun to follow. And if you look at their league matches, 3.67 goals per game, 18 of 21 have gone over, 17 of 21 have seen BTTS. They're still waiting for their first clean sheet, but they've managed to get on the score sheet in all bar four. um But yeah, they've been in horrendous league form since October's international break 10 defeats in 12. um It looked to be turning the corner because they came back from the winter break and absolutely hammered Schalke 4 1. At home.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's not a big deal these days, is it really? Yeah,
1: yeah. Kind of been a false dawn, really. Um, watched them last week. They coughed up a lead. and um, But still, they, they do pack a punch going forward. Just um, incredibly erratic defensively. So we'll see if that changes, if there has been a coaching change. But um, Nuremberg are, are mid-table. They're not really doing anything particularly exciting uh, going forward or defensively. If you look at the metrics, they're pretty much bog standard, mid-table side. They're not going up. They shouldn't be getting too concerned about relegation, shouldn't be getting dragged into it. So I think they will play with relative freedom here, being at home. And if you look at their metrics too, they have scored an 8 of 10 at home, just the two clean sheets, 7 of 10 go over. But interestingly, they've scored at least twice in half of their 10 home games. They've also conceded at least twice in half of their home matches, which I think is is kind of uh, brilliant because that's exactly what Kaiserslautern like to do. Um, So, yeah, my goals model here has a goal expectation of 3.4. Uh, we're getting 191 and overs and BTDS combined, which uh, is quite nice.
0: Uh, I can confirm, and it's only because I was randomly reading Bills and Kicker this morning that I actually saw it. Uh, Dimitrios Gramotzis is out as the Kaiserslautern coach. Mark, I'm going to give you a guess at who's replaced him. He is an old German firefighter. Really old. Oh, but he's um... a kind of classic firefighter. It's not Felix Magath, is it? I was gonna no, say, not uh, Magath. No, no. He's worked in the Bundesliga fairly recently. Okay.
1: My mind's blank. Um...
0: Friedhelm Funkel has taken. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Yes. So so there we go. They've. uh... They've dragged him out of retirement and he's going to try and keep Louten, uh in the second tier. That's all we have. See, breaking news. You get breaking news on this <laughs> show. Uh, that's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Make sure you check out all of our Cheltenham shows, Cheltenham Only Better. There'll be other shows as well, I'm sure. Lots of preview content on our website betting.betfair.com all the latest tips and insight ahead of the festival all of our shows on Betfair's new non-racing channel on YouTube so make sure you like and subscribe and we'll have more uh, Champions League previews coming up for you as well from Emmett from Stinch from Mark and from me it's goodbye for now